practicing today, and I'm almost done. So cool. So here I am. <laughs> so here you are. Yeah, <laughs> you are almost done. Almost done. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the Futile Podcast tonight. It's Zach and it's Ian, and uh, I don't know. This is 300B. 300B. We can talk about uh, all sorts of things. 300B. 300B. 300A is heat. Mark and I did a two-hour-plus podcast about heat. You wasted. You wasted half of 300 on on uh, on heat. First of all, Mark, <laughs> and second of all, heat. I'm just kidding, by the way, about Mark. Um, but you're not kidding about heat. Oh man. Do you think that was that was worth wasting the 300th episode on? I don't know. Whatever we're gonna do, it's gonna be. Should we have had something better to talk about to to before going into like? I mean, here's the thing: the the very height of the tent pole is men at work, right? So you want something that's like holding it up, something right. actually good enough to hold it up. Heat, <laughs> heat is like the bottom of the tent pole. Yeah, you know, he, you want, he is, is the firm, strong bottom to the tent pole of men at work. You right? want something close to the top, uh, you know, something that would right. be at least giving some sort of. I don't know if I'm gonna have that much time, much time to edit this, so maybe we should cut to the chase. <coughs> um, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about bebop, but but that might be sort of a weird esoteric thing to talk about. Do you feel like you could talk about that for a bit, or what? Yeah, I I, I still haven't rewatched anything. I mean, I've seen the whole series uh, at least twice at this point. Uh, and you watched it once in J- in the Japanese, right? Yeah, I've with seen it. I've seen it in, with the subs and the dubs, um, and then I've uh, over time just watched random episodes here and there. Also, yeah, I I, I started uh, my experience with Bebop was I knew people watched it and I knew a handful of things from it, and, and I didn't really know almost anything about anime at that time. Uh, and then I happened to see certain anime here and there and uh then i one day i watched the uh i think my real first foray into to anime that i saw theatrically or, or anything that was like that i knew was released theatrically was the ghost in the shell movie and uh and then after that it, uh, a few years after that i saw the cowboy bebop movie which it was well, how did you see the ghost in the shell movie i'm curious about that what was your circumstances for seeing that uh i saw it uh i saw that it was uh the poster for it at the arcade minor and I was like... You saw the Ghost in the Shell movie at the theater? I didn't see it in the theater. I saw the poster for it. There. Okay, that's weird. And I was like, what the heck is this? And why is there like a... Like, you know, you can see like the top half of a rack and everything. Right, yeah, and right. Poster, and I'm like, what is this? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I... Uh, Played I, your strengths. So I, I I don't remember if I ended up renting it or saw it another way, but I think I ended up renting it pretty soon after that when it was released. Um, you know, it was maybe within like a year of that or something. Um because that was a that was a big foray into uh, anime from an American distributor. Because uh, American distributor uh, bought it up really quick and actually put it in the theaters, which was like a big deal, for, right? Yeah, for, for anime. Because otherwise, you know, the our experiences with anime were were Akira and and not much else. And I don't remember if I I think I saw Akira before Ghost in the Shell, and I don't remember, and I remember I, I was supposed to be. Uh, spellbound by it and instead I remember getting a headache and uh, and every time I've watched it, I've physically gotten a headache and I don't know if it's because mm. I'm not thinking too hard and it's actually kind of bores me for about the entire second act of it um, and I stick around though for uh, brief glimpses of brutal violence yeah right um, you know and I still don't know what the movie's about I don't know what the hell happens in it it's it's <clears throat> but they're gonna make an American you know live right. action remake with Leonardo DiCaprio right so well, they keep talking about that Warner's is saying they're gonna do it for sure you know? My experiences with with anime are kind of pretty 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 young, I guess, because with things like Voltron, you know, the Americanized versions of things. Yeah, I didn't I get, saw that stuff. I didn't get in on um, 
on like Robotech and I always wanted to. I'd always to me that always looked like the most awesome thing ever and I was like, How come this thing exists and I can't see it? And because I mean I grew up in the sticks, you know, and they, we didn't get cable till for a while and even then I don't think we even had a cartoon network until I started college. Until I moved down south and started college, I don't think I had a chance to even see cartoon yeah. network. But Sci-Fi Channel started airing anime. I don't know if you ever had any experiences with it. That's where I saw I Akira never, first. I never saw any of that on the... I saw Akira... I rented everything I saw. A, a few other things um, back when I was, you know, uh, I think in junior high or, or early high school. So, I mean, I knew there was this, like, bridging gap in terms of style and substance, which, in huge quotes, I guess... About cartoons, where it's like, wait a minute, there's some people that are doing these cartoons where they're drawing them not to look quite so cartoony, though admittedly a lot of anime stylism is, you know, being based on Disney and whatever else is very cartoony with the big eyes and, and this, you know, pratfalls and stuff. Right. But But there was something to a lot of the stuff where, like, it would. It, tonally, anime does weird things where it will do big cartoony stuff with pratfalls and then it will all of a sudden be like some little girl dies or something, you know, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. And so as a kid, I'm, I'm watching this stuff and I'm being like, this is not talking down. This is not, you know, this is kind of complex and weird and difficult to get my brain around. And like you said, yeah, there, there is a sort of kind of almost physically upsetting component to watching something like Akira where it's, it's, it's complex and it's, it's epic but it is kind of hard to immediately grasp onto things to like about it. The character, there's no real likable characters. You want to like the Tetsuo character because he's put upon, and then he gets this power, and you think, oh, cool, now he's going to have this power. He's going to use it to beat up the guys that beat up his girlfriend and all that. Other. But, like, no, it, what happens is what would probably happen in real life, more or less, is he goes absolutely insane, and things get gross and weird. And it, it's sort of a story about these two guys' friendship and blah, blah, blah. Right. But, but I remember being really intrigued about that. And I think a lot of that coincided with my interest in watching, like, uh, cartoons like Batman the Animated Series, where they would do episodes that were completely, like, on paper, completely unappealing to children. I recently rewatched the episode called The Crime Doctor, which is about the, one of the criminal guys, one of the crime boss's brother, who, like, lost his license and had to become a crime mm-hmm. doctor for because of his brother and everything. And I'm like, there's nothing... There's, there isn't a child in this episode. This is all adults talking about adult things and sins of the past and stuff. And I'm like, and this was on at 4.30 on the afternoon on Fox. Well, I mean, that stuff was geared toward young teens. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really aimed toward, like, 8-year-olds or anything. I don't know what the, what it was supposed to be. Do you think it was supposed to be hitting, like, a twelve like a precocious 12-year-old? I'm, I'm pretty sure that that, that entire series um, that was based at, I mean, it was obviously meant to draw in whoever. But, I mean, it, I think it was pretty obviously aimed at a, a young teen demographic. Yeah, it kind of leads us to, I guess, into <coughs> the discussion... Of Bebop, I guess, of, of Cowboy Bebop, the big anime series that is kind of considered sort of the ultimate show uh, in that whole collection of stuff. Let me, let me let me just say something really quick. So I I uh, I'm now remembering uh, in my early teens, my neighbor uh, tended to watch anime every now and then, and it was pretty mainstream stuff. I think I saw a snippet of Ninja Blade or uh, Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll, yes, and, uh, and I swear. One time, I swear one time I was over there, and I was I was there, I was spending the night, um, and I was like, you know, 12 or whatever, and and, uh, and uh, I think I looked up the TV, because he was still watching something late, and I swear it was tentacle porn. I could, I could just be... 
Ninja Scroll had some pretty, some pretty heavy yeah, that, that, that did, but, but he watched Miller's side. Anyway, like, you know, I got bits and pieces of that. It might have been Legend I, of the Overfiend. So I, so I think... <laughs> I've never seen that, but I've heard that's pretty bad. I think what ended up drawing me into it in my mid-teens, or like later teens, really, when I, when I started, you know, caring more and actually seeking it out was, by then I'd been watching more uh, adult films with, you know, more complicated themes and not just people trying to find treasure and stuff like right, that, yeah. you know, and, and uh, uh, there was something very adult about even, like, you know, PG-13 level anime, because it's more sophisticated and I think I, I think I kind of sought that out so when I first saw um, the Cowboy Bebop movie which, how many years after the, the series Two. ended was that released? Two? Okay. Yeah. Well, I saw it probably when it had been out for a couple of years at that point and that's like in America, I don't know if it was released later in America than when it ended in Japan and then was shown in America. Like I don't know how, how the whole that whole thing broke down, but I, but but I'm pretty sure I got into Bebop, you know, well after it had been out, like as a series. And the thing was that was the first anime series I watched from beginning to end after I had seen. Right. I saw an episode here and an episode there, and I was like, don't really care for it. It's not, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't even know what I what I would have compared it to at that Right. Time. Yeah. Uh, but then when I when I did sat, sit down and uh, watch the entire thing, because I think I maybe read some stuff about where like you know this is this is this so you know what an awesome show or whatever, and I was like, oh okay whatever. So it being my first experience, I uh, I think I talked about this before. I think it almost kind of ruined me for a lot of anime because because I I saw it and that was like that was then the baseline. Right. But it's it, not it wasn't, it wasn't great heights. It yes. was a baseline. Yeah. The one I saw. And so when I see other things, I'm like, all these other things are falling below this baseline. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and uh, meanwhile, you, you're standing at the top of Everest. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and and so like when I when I ended up uh, when I saw the series the second time, I had seen quite a bit more anime, though not like an entire series really. Um, but I watched a lot of anime movies and you know bits and pieces of series here and there. And then by then, I could appreciate it more. Um, but, could, but, could you separate yourself? Because here's the biggest problem I have trying to convince people that like there are some good shows that are that are te- anime with giant air quotes Be- because I think it's people want consi- to think about it like it's a genre or something but it's really not and it isn't even really one specific style of drawing within an animation either it's it's it's, it's very varied to a degree anime a degree. is a medium with many genres right. yeah exactly so so it, it's tough it's a weird thing to say you look at like a um like a Miyazaki film and you're like oh like this is this is well animated and it's a pretty cute little story yeah and then, you, but you don't compare that to Cowboy Bebop because they're no, both anime, no. and go like, "Oh, this yeah, is better than this." Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. It really is. And it, you're right. There's a stigma and everything else because of uh, well, the, the tentacle most, porn stuff too, the, yeah. and everything. Yeah, that was some of the first stuff that kind of came into the states. And it did kind of sour a lot of people to it, as it was like, oh, it's adult because it's got creepy, weird guys licking blood off swords <laughs> and, and, and all this, like, women going, oh, no, Well, and I had seen, like, Figueritos was my, you know, experience with, like, you know, all right. film, pretty much. So I went, so I searched through that place, and when I went there, I would just look at everything. And the anime section was always like, you know what, I love, I love animation, I love cartoons, I always right. had my entire life. And, uh, and you're looking at the covers of these things, and half of them are like, for mature audience, right, so yeah. like you know, not for children. And Fist of the, a Fist of the North Star cover was something like, "You must be seventeen or older to watch," or something <laughs> yeah, like right. that. And I was always like, "What is this stuff?" And that and that kind of thing intrigued me, though not enough, obviously, to actually go out and you know, right, yeah, and watch it. I still have never watched Fist of the North Star. I had gotten kind of sour and reactionary to anime by the time I started college because. I had seen some cool things on Sci-Fi Channel, and they had kind of come and gone, and they always left left me feel like wanting more because even a lot of the like OAVs, which are you know, the original animated videos, are kind of done based on 
on like a, a manga series or whatever that may or may not have be be finished, and they still have this problem to this day where there's a lot of anime that they're not so concerned concerned with a beginning, a middle, and an end so much as they're concerned with producing a product that they can use to advertise the manga or, or to sell, like you said to sell right. toys in certain cases because or to sell merchandise basically that's how they make their money. So I had seen a lot of these things on Sci Fi Channel that were like, oh, well, it's, well, it's telling that a lot of those are made by a production company that's like in some cases like toy companies, and right? Stuff. Yeah, like they really are. I mean, and and uh, when, when I see those big overproduced things come up beforehand, there's Pardon me, like even on a good series where I'm like, uh, it, all, it feels to me like this. I mean, it, they're they're made by committees, yeah, made by the committee to create this TV show right, or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, like a uh, uh, Gurren Logon was was uh, you know produced by the you know the Gurren Logon Foundation or something. Which, <laughs> right, which is yeah. like you know the founda- foundation to create toys and money. You know, like right, yeah, and well, it was more <laughs> it's more merchandise so much. I mean, the, and their little dolls and stuff. That's right. their big thing. It's yeah. not even like kids play. No, with it, these. There's a variety of things. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, and, and that's Gainix, which has a whole story of like right. really passionate animators, and they did Gunbuster, and they did Fooly Cooly, and I mean, Gurren Lagann is like the swan song of that, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Whereas Be- Bebop to me is like about life with a lowercase L, and Gurren Lagann is about life with an uppercase L. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's about, it, it, but it's it, the survival of a race stuff, and in Bebop, is the, the it, race has already matter, managed to survive right. uh, by just kind of. It's about it's about the truth races. of life. It's about the yeah. solitude of existence and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But but yeah, so so I mean, so I've been kind of soured to it and. Because I just felt like perpetually confused. Like, well, wait a minute, what is this? This is all part one of two, and they're never going to be. I'm never going to see part two or three. I'd seen like the first three episodes of this series called uh, Record of Lotus War that they aired on Sci Fi Channel one night, and it was like, okay, they're all setting up for this kid and this night, this bad night, and they're going to fight in two episodes, and then go to credits, and then it was. I swear to you, it was about probably about eight years before I eventually learned what the show was called and finally got to see the next episode of that show. I was like, finally, I got to finish this! And but it's a huge letdown. Well, right? no, you, the Record of Lotus War is actually a lot of fun as it's a sword and sandal sorcery right. kind of D&D style right. game. You know, get the wizard together, get the dwarf together, get them all together and have them have to go fight something. So I had kind of gotten gotten over it and you know, I, somebody, uh, one of my roommates and a friend of his were watching like uh, Macross Plus and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool but it's also kind of confusing because to me it, look, it looked like it was the Robotech stuff yeah. and I was like, how does this relate to that cartoon? Is it like a sequel? I couldn't put the pieces together. And even now, that stuff is storied and difficult to put together because it's Robotech. Is it into Robotech? Hmm? Is it Robotech? It is, but it's not. Because Robotech is the Americanization of three animated cartoons, the first of which was Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. And Macross Plus is a proper sequel to... Interdimensional... To super-dimensional Macross, okay. to the first cartoon they used to make Robotech. Yeah, so Robotech was pieced together. Based and, and from then, three. And then uh, given new dialogue. Yeah, everything was kind of adjusted and changed. Actors, yeah. But, like, the Macross is actually in Macross Plus. Like, the actual ship, this giant ship that's all rusted over. It's 30 years later. It's pretty inconsequential because they've done a lot of things. For the, that's the weird thing about... It seems like a lot of times these anime guys don't seem to care too much about continuity or about concerning themselves with, with like with, with the characters they're trading in. It's like, no, we're just going to do a movie with these guys now because that'll yeah, make that, money. The movie you know? thing has always bothered me. And I know that actually, I think was it for that or for, for Gundam Gundam was the one that had like a bunch of movies after the series. And they were basically just re edits of things that happened in the series multiple times. 
right? Well, th- w- there was okay. There was Mobile Suit Gundam, and then there was Zeta Gundam, and Gundam. There's a zillion Gundams, and right. I know I know I know Gundam pretty well. But, but not, there were a couple of pretty big release movies, right? That were yeah. They, they condensed. Together. They did. They did compilation movies for yeah. the show, and then they actually did two proper movie releases that were fitting into the main Universal Century Gundams Gundam continuity, which is the Char. And Armoro Ray storyline, basically. Those are the two main protagonist antagonist characters of yeah. the Xenon New Earth Federation kind of, and it goes back and forth. And that I would say ended with uh, Char's Counterattack, which was just a straight up movie that Adult Swim aired on the last Saturday that Adult Swim did the old classic Saturday Adult Swim. I don't know if it was the last one, but it felt like it was. It might have been one of the last times they did it before they stopped doing Saturdays and moved to weekdays and then it took them a years before eventually they got Saturday back again. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I mean, though. It's like it's just nothing but like dissatisfied endings and complicated confusion and being like, this looks kind of good. And even to this day, as much as I will, I love Macross Plus. It's got gr- great music. It's got great character design and ship design, all the mecha and stuff and everything. It's still ultimately kind of an uh, unsatisfying action story because it's not really an action story. It's kind of this love triangle melodrama. I, my, my first experience with Robotech was was like, oh, here's a cartoon, and I and I watch for a minute, and it's a, a guy and a girl talking about their feelings, and then she like tries to kiss him, and he's like all upset, right. and I was like, what is this garbage? <laughs> I was like, I I'm trying to watch Ducktales, you know, yeah, and yeah. like I got some. Some animated people kissing. Like, what's going on here? I want. That was, I, that was my. Where's the action? Right. Where's the action? And 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 so that's kind of what. Where's the airships and the pots of gold? Right. Exactly. And so Macross Plus to this day is still kind of like that. But but the artistry of it all, and I mean, it's it's just a fun show to watch. I enjoy watching it for for what it is every now and again. But so you're always kind of in the back of your head, like I am, my whole life. With music, with everything else, I'm always like, God, why doesn't somebody do this? You know, why doesn't somebody do put these pieces of this thing that I these things that I like together, but do it in a way that doesn't feel rushed, that doesn't feel ham-fisted, that doesn't feel incomplete, that isn't super overly superficial, and at the same time isn't terribly boring or anything else, but it's exciting. And then eventually you by by golly, just through you encounter it. I mean, I my experiences with music and like learning to like jazz music and stuff is like one of the first. Bits of jazz I ever listened to, I think, was probably Miles Davis' Kind of Blue, like one of my dad's old records. And I would listen to it, like, at night in the dark while I would exercise. And I didn't put that together in terms of relating that. Did you also make, like, a a mechanical gun sling that would shoot a gun out of your hand and practice that in front of a mirror a lot? No, I didn't do anything like that. weirdo. I don't need the extra intensity of light annoying me while I'm already, like, lifting weight or whatever. That's that's strange. It is strange, but it's kind of what it is. And yeah, and and that's kind of how the first episode of Bebop starts, is it's like there's music, and there's a guy exercising in the dark. And you start to be like, this is intriguing. But I can honestly say that my my experiences with with Bebop were that I had friends in in college that were kind of into into anime, and and we watched like Ghost in the Shell one day, just in one of the dorm rooms, we got around and watched that. And I was like, okay. And then like, they were like excited, like we should rent something. And we rented like Tenshi Muyo or something. And like, like, just a couple random episodes of this. And I'm like, this is confusing and weird. And some guy and three chicks. It's one of those harem type shows. Uh And I'm like, 
And I'm like, this is dumb and boring. I don't really like it. And I don't get what's going on. It seems like there could be something of stakes here, but there really isn't. Mm-hmm. But then, And then my friends were like, oh, you know what? This show is good. This Bebop show. And I'm like, oh, it sure sounds stupid. Because admittedly, it's stupid. It sounds very stupid. It's putting together two words that don't make sense to sound the like... The title is dumb. The title is dumb, yeah. And, and I saw like part of an episode one night. I think the first episode I ever saw on Adult Swim of the show was episode 13, which is part two of a two-parter, right in the middle of the show, right in the middle of stuff happening. And I saw it, and I, I often walk, walk right into shows right in like an exciting middle of it, and it grabs me because I'm confused. Yeah. And I always hear, this is the thing I have trouble with with people, especially as, as I'm starting to write things and create things on my own, is it's like, do people get really turned off by being kind of confused or do they get intrigued? Cause I get intrigued. I'm like, I want to understand what this is. And then that makes me go back to the well multiple times. So I saw 13 and I was like, this is, I don't know who these people are or what's going on with these, these, these characters, but this is, it's really well done. Like I could tell, like, like it had a sense of environment. It had a sense of mood and, and I knew I knew that I was really in the middle of something that was something. So I saw that episode, and then uh, I think you know, quite a few months later, one night, really late, I think I got in on them showing, like the the end, the final episodes of it. And at that time, I had kind of gotten sort of into like Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, stupid, you know, guys keep powering up and fighting and. And I was like, I thought all anime was like that. I thought all anime was like 100 plus episode long shows where big things would happen and then they would calm down. And I'm, so I'm sitting there watching this this opening to this episode of, of this Bebop show and I'm like, okay, this is going to be like one of those important episodes that happens, you know, in the middle of the show. You know, this is probably like episode 25. Oh, it's episode 25 of it. There's like 100 of them. And then as I'm watching it and I'm kind of half confused and don't really get what's going on and I'm tuning in and out because I'm really tired that night and I'm you know, sleep halfway sleeping through it, uh, I get to the end of it and I'm like, no, I think that was the actual end of the show. And I'm left with this kind of pit of my stomach feeling being like, and I think that might be really, really good. Like I need to go back. And then like the next week I saw 20 um, on like a tiny TV and tw- I, when I was half out of it asleep, too. Uh, and 20 is the one with the Mad Perot. Right. And that is so much awesome. mood. And that one is completely referencing, like, in the building designs and stuff, in the opening of the episode where it's all quiet, is referencing the Batman animated series. So I'm, like, completely connecting with it. This is just out there and weird. And I'm, like, and I'm already knowing, well, I know kind of what this show is all about because I've sort of seen the end and I get the sense of, like... completely confused, didn't get anything about the ending except knew that that was an ending kind of thing. And then I think the next week I saw 17. And in the watching of 17, I was like, they can do this in one show. And I was like, this is, this is too much. This is, this is actually something really good. Like this, and I think it happened for me when I when I realized, okay, it's the obligatory, loud, obnoxious anime character they they all have to have in their series. And this episode is primarily about her. I'm like, how is this going to work? And I'm like, well, you know what? It's kind of like, a, it's got a cool new, it's a completely different environment again. Mm-hmm. And it's got some kind of neat music. And, oh, they're doing something strange with the other characters while they're hallucinating. And that's kind of out there, you know? It's saying something about each character. And then cut to, like, a chase scene that has a scooter like a car and like a train 
with this like awesome rock and jazz music. And I'm like, okay, this is the same show that's that other stuff too. Wasn't there a bunch of watermelon in that episode? Yeah, there was a bunch of watermelons. Yeah, that's a racist And there was a bunch of, bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> that's a racist episode. No, no, you know that, right? It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it's referencing a lot of those exploitation films, to be sure. But, mm. you know, exploitation stuff. But, like the one where the guy carries the, carries the, uh, the coffin, I think. That's something. Right. That's, I, I, I don't have it offhand. I don't know all the references offhand. People can go to Wikipedia if they want, or go to Anime News Network, or whatever. There's... Plenty of people that know way more about... carrying the coffin is... Uh... Well, I think it might be Jane. So you, you seriously, the first episode you actually watched was the last one? All the way through? No, the first episode I ever watched was the 13th episode. And the second one you watched was the last was the, was the last two, yeah, I think. It might have been. It might have... Maybe I saw 20 before those. Poor I don't... bastard. That really screwed you up. I really screwed me up. And you it know it screwed up. me up. It, it screwed you up as a person. It didn't just screw you yeah. up. Yeah. No, it, it did. For the show. I think it ruined you. It might have. It caused all of this. It caused all, everything. Right. Because <laughs> they were airing them in a really weird order on Adult Swim. They were doing things where, like, they were doing, like, fan request blocks on Saturday nights. Yeah, that's dumb, man. They just... And, 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 and literally, I remember the next week uh, after seeing the final episodes checking on the internet and someone's like, boy, if you haven't seen this whole show all the way yet, don't watch it that week. And it's like, you know, that's to you guys. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so I saw that one. I saw, and after seeing 17, I was like, this is pretty good. And then I got home and uh, I watched 22, which was another kind of fun one with the uh, with the cowboy, the cowboy funk, and it was kind of funny and goofy. And I was like, this is pretty good. And then I saw 24, which is the, really the first part to the end of the show. And I was like, 24 was really, really good. And I was like, I just need to buy this show. So then I bought it. I finally, you know, went on the internet and f- figured out where I could buy it and bought it off Amazon. And this is probably the summer, or the end of the summer of 2002. Mm-hmm. So, and Adult Swim had been airing the show for about a year or so there at that point. So I got the series and started watching them, like, with my buddies on, like, Sundays and Saturday nights or whatever. I'd watch one or two of them. I just loved it. I mean, it just, it's just got, it's got, like I said, the things I like, which is I like jazz music. I like sort of interesting electronic stuff. I like film noir, I like science fiction. And it's, it's, it's all like, it's all well thought out and well created and well crafted to begin with. And then it tells really good stories and, and is able to just sort of use all the components judiciously. Like, like, like that, the musical scene, the musical, like, sort of, I don't know, like, when the two ships in the very first episode are going through that, like, uh, aqueduct, and they use this Road to the West song that's very, very, very reminiscent, and uh, Yoko Kano, the woman who did all the music for the show, has, has been a- accused more than once of just kind of heavily borrowing her, 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 her sounds from other other popular musics and that song always reminded me of something from Blade Runner because there is some music very much so like that in Blade Runner and I was just like wow this is really like each episode is like a little movie like like you feel really full after just even watching one in terms yeah. of like all that happens and stuff you can like sometimes you just scratch your head and you're like I can't believe all that happened in 22 minutes or right. whatever it was but, and it just throws you right in too like it throws you in there's these two guys they live together on the ship they're bounty hunters and that's how they make money but they almost never make any money because they, they, they cause more trouble that they, they break shit all the time and get in trouble and Half the time, don't catch the person or whatever else. Or it's, most likely laying around. Or most likely laying around. And then he, there's no beef in the bell peppers because there's no money. So it's a very simple human problem of just two dudes trying to get by. And they're they're different people. One is very laid back with a big fluffy chunk of hair. And the other guy is this kind of 
tensed up, balding, older, gruffer guy. <laughs> but he's wearing an apron. With a robotic arm. With a robot with an inexplicable robotic yeah. arm, and he's wearing an apron. And I mean, even to begin with, I mean, just doing this properly, the first episode starts with a guy smirking, gunshots, and explosion, and what's going on, and you don't know. And that's the first episode opening, and then the, the credits start, and the credits are this bombastic jazz music with referential like graphic design. That I mean, so I, I generally hate anime openings. I don't like the music, and I don't like the like. Oh, let's show all the characters bouncing around, and then you know vaguely indicate how the conflicts are going to work out throughout the show, kind of thing. And with Bebop, they just kind of do. I think it. most most openings are a lot like the. Ending credits of Bebop. So the the ending credits of Bebop uh, that play that real folk blues. Yeah, uh, that's like the beginning of most other anime because it's got terrible lyrics. Yeah, that uh, that suddenly turn into English for a second, <laughs> right. or mispronounced badly. Right, with like a really like bombastically produced um, Americanized pop song. Right, because uh, as, as that's the big selling point too for a lot of is right. the pop songs, and and so, so the opening to Bebop is very unlike the yes. opening to many most other shows. Uh, though it is a common thing with Sunrise. it's a slap in the face, and it's uh, like like sonically and visually, yeah. and really, um, you know, it, it does it, it kind of uh, uh, belies the actual um, you know kind of languid nature of the show at times, but but like. Uh, it uh, well, it, it complements it, but it also kind of like you said, yeah. It, yeah, it, it. I think I, I, I love it. I think that's great, uh, and it's totally referential to all the old Blue Note album records, yeah. uh, album records, or album covers. You know, uh, with with this sort of negative space silhouetted mm-hmm. character figures and these these sharp lines and geometry, and you, so you get to see like everyone's ship and everyone's character running around that hints at things that hints at characters that aren't going to show up at right. least at first. And it, 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 it asks some questions, and you know. The only other uh, opening to any show I can think of that's a lot like that is the Venture Brothers opening. It's it's really similar. Venture Brothers, is, which they never use anymore because they don't have yeah. time. Yeah, they <laughs> just kind of pop into it. <laughs> they go Venture Brothers and start yeah. the show, and so the show's off to start, and they go to catch a bounty, and it's some guy that's running away from some syndicate, some mobsters. The first one's got a, like a headshot in it, too. Like, that's a violent... The episode. first one is really violent. The first that's one didn't violent. air originally. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just all these references. It's referencing the the bar from Desperado. And in that first episode, like, it's designed to look exactly like that. And you see all these other goofy characters and things just kind of... What year What year was this made? Was Bebop made? Yeah. 98. But, I mean, it's, it's just... It just doesn't ever hold your hand, like, at all, really. The, the show never really does. It just it throws you in there, and you start figuring out a lot of things. Stuff is chaotic. There are these gates. There are these... They charge you a bunch of money to go through them because... And that's how you get from one place to another. And there's these space colonies, and there's this, the, you know, drugs and syndicates and bars and old guys talking about doing this and that when they were young. And then the guy goes and the main character, I guess he's the main character, the Spike Spiegel character, goes and visits an American Indian dude who's sitting there letting some sand fall through his hand and talks to him all <laughs> cryptically. And he's like, okay, great. And then he goes to look for the bounty, sort of, kind of, even though he's bitching the whole time that the guy's not worth anything. And when, when uh, did they get eyes? That, that's the that's second episode. episode. And then in the second episode, of course, you know, is a little more comedic. It's yeah. a sort of definite change in tone because by the end of the first episode, I mean, people are dead. And uh, it, it's one of those, like, circular things where by seeing the ending of the show, you understand how much, the how 
important the first episode really is to kind of establishing like like there's a lot of parallelism there uh potentially I don't even remember what happens in the first episode. The first episode has Asimov Solonson and his his supposedly pregnant white woman girlfriend or whatever going with him, and they're leaving a syndicate, smuggling out a bunch of the the red eye, the blood red, red eye, eye drug. Yeah, yeah, red eye. Sure. It turns out she's not pregnant. She's she's actually just been just the, the mule packed for full it, of red eye. packed full of red eye in her dress in a fake uh, you know carrier thing. Right. And uh, he's all hopped up, and he tries to. They both try to escape, and she puts him out of his misery. And then they both get shot up by a, a police uh, thing. So there's no bounty there; it's a bust. Uh, they get no money, and uh, yeah, I remember the whole. After they chase that after him, and then the second episode is they're chasing after this guy that stole a dog from a lab. It's worth almost nothing, but for some reason, it's a special kind of dog called a data dog, and who knows what's going on there. And then that just turns into a goofy chase episode. Oh, man. Data dog can find uh, right, yeah. Can find old chess players and whatever. The data dog has some fun with things, and so then they end up with the dog at the end of the second episode. So now it's the two guys and a dog, and then the third episode it starts with with this with this this sultry woman dressed in a yellow vinyl outfit that goes into this like pawn shop and lights a cigar and some guys like, hey, what are you doing, baby? And then she's like, well, you know, you know, I'm just kind of living my life or whatever and then all these guys pull up and just gun down the shop and like what and that turns out that it's like some mafia guy who runs a casino and he's tracked her down because she owes him money or something and but he's he wants her to do a job for him it seems very you know it's very convoluted that involves getting getting this this chip that's not a real poker chip from this I mean, it, it, I love though that it is. It, it, it's it, it's excessively convoluted because it's referencing like a '60s spy casino royale style. I, I think it's convoluted movie. because it's referencing a lot of film noir. Well, yeah, it's doing a lot of that too. But in that episode specifically, it's totally about like casino '60s right. awesomeness. And so you've already had like within the first three episodes, you've had three different locations that are dramatically different. Instead of just recycling the same backgrounds, like any some kind of cheap animation, they're doing new things with it, you know? And you get Jet in a different outfit in the third episode. He's dressed all swanky in a suit because he dresses up to go to casinos. <laughs> so it's not just... So you've already got the character in a different looking outfit. So this woman ends up becoming kind of a pain and there's this gambling scene and they end up getting a hold of her and uh, some money is exchanged and some things go awry and once again they end up with nothing so it's the third bust for them they didn't get any money for the data dog they didn't get any money for for the skipped out bounty hunt drug drug guy Mm -hmm. so then cut to the fourth episode i didn't know the fourth episode starts with Faye again starts with the woman from the third episode so you're like wait a minute this woman had got got away at the end of the third episode why is she back she's back i mean obviously if you watch the opening you see well that's a silhouette of her so i guess she's going to become an important character in the show or become more involved and there's this whole thing with this this lady that runs a environmentalist group and kaboom it's already another location that was mostly on the ship though which is interesting there's a little bit at a restaurant and they talk about the politics of this world ganymede and the whole, um, you know, harvesting. It's basically like a fishing world almost. The it's mostly lobster. mostly water. There's the, that's in the 11th one. Right, right. No, it's no, it's, it's the sea rat. It's, it's, it's the Ganymede sea rat, which is almost extinct. Well, I because I'm talking about Ganymede rock lobster at some point. In some yeah, place. yeah, it's a live Ganymede rock lobster. Yeah, that's right. And that was episode 11. Yeah, the sea rat is the one. The sea rat is episode 4. 
uh, with Twinkle Murillo Murdoch, the uh, envir- environmental terrorist that was going to use. I thought, oh my gosh. And the music is so good. So things have just gotten... It's just such a strong opening in those first four episodes of just zany shit happening. And then by the end of the fourth episode, Faye is like, I'm on the ship now. I'm going to go take a shower. And they're like, what? That's not okay. And they're like, okay, I guess that's the way it is. So then you're like, okay, we've got four people. We've got the two dudes now got this kind of this kind of mock, plucky, moxie-filled chick and, and this y- yippy little dog with them now. So let's see what happens next. And then the next episode starts with these two, like, you know, syndicate guys coming to some kind of tentative agreement. And then there's an explosion, and that guy's killed, and then the guy gets his throat slit, and as he's dying, he says, you know, hey, you know, this, this, isn't, this isn't the way we can do business anymore. Things have changed. And as the guy's walking out, and then he says, you know, if Spike were here, you never would have done this. And the guy smirks and walks away, and you're like, wait a minute, Spike's the, the guy from the show. How the first is the first like how does this connect and and then you're kind of left being like this is going to be really important and really big and and really good and then it is episode five is I've seen the whole show and I think episode five is probably the best episode of the whole show, okay. hands down the best episode it what it does in the in the twenty two minutes is a lot of really good stuff so that's how the show starts to evolve and then you know you have six and I mean God I can just do this all day but I'm not going to do it all day. And I should have put a spoiler out, but screw you guys. If you haven't seen the show in the last two or three years, then whatever. But yeah, Screw you guys. Screw you guys. Screw the audience. This is it anyway, right? We don't care. So as the show evolves, you get more with the, where they hint at these characters' backgrounds and the, and they solve more things and they go to different worlds and it's all contained within the solar system of Earth and they start to explain how all this happened. I mean, the only real... I would say there are two sci-fi caveats in this series. One is that they have interdimensional gates that allow them to travel really fast. Like, but basically it makes going from Earth to... Venus take half a day or something. I don't know. I've never really got a good sense of what how that scaling works. Right. And the other one is that they have, by necessity, managed to terraform worlds that basically they can't can't actually in real life do on a on a massive level. I mean, Mars is the only one that's vaguely believable, and they do kind of give you a sense like, oh, well, in these craters, they create these micro-atmospheres, and then they have these tube systems that connect the different cities uh, and domes. And Mars is, of course, now the main hub because half of the moon blew up, and so Earth is shit. And that happened, you know, 50 years before the show started. That was 70. Well, then it would have happened in 20. Oh, two, because the show's taking place in 2071, 72, I think. But yeah, so the Earth is junk because it's constantly being bombarded by chunks of the moon, so it's not reliable for people to live on it. So all the people moved away, they they live on Mars, they live on... There's still a lot of people who live on Earth. There's still a good number, but it's mostly, it's very marginalized. It's 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 just not a main hub of trade, and, and right. it's difficult, I think, for communications and all kinds of other things because of the asteroid. Basically, the Earth is just speckled with with asteroids in its atmosphere and everything right. else. So yeah, so there's there's Venus, which is a gaseous planet in the real life, so there's no way you terraform that and turn that into a place that has water and earth and land and all kinds. Venus is the most out there sci-fi world that they ever have, and I think they're only there explicitly once, but I think they're also there in another episode, just incidentally. And then Mars is the main hub where most activity's happening, there's Europa and Io 
and Titan. A lot of moons. Cause well, the Jupiter moons. moons are all gassy. Yeah, the Jupiter moons. Uh, there's TJ, which is the uh, asteroid where the first episode takes place. But for the most part, it's almost entirely Mars. Mars is just... And I, I remember listening to or reading something about one of the guys that worked on the show talking about, like, well, out of necessity, you, we just had, you know, you writing an episode where somebody's jumping from one skyscraper to the next. It's like, it has to be Mars. It can't be this place. because <laughs> even. But that's, like, I don't know. For me, that's the fun of a lot of anime is that they put all this work into the backgrounds that just kind of makes the world feel so lived in. Yeah. Like you they, see, they did that really well in Bebop. They did that really well. They made it feel lived in and dirty and complex and culturally... Populated is the important thing. Yeah, and populated. populated. Yeah. Like uh, in episode six, when you, when you see the, uh, the silhouette of those cranes, when the kid's sitting there playing the harmonica, mm-hmm. it's like, this is a place where people are doing things. People are building things yeah. or making things and stuff is trying to happen. And uh, and there's a certain kind of industrial solitude, and I don't know. It's, it's just really good mood stuff, and that's the world that they're that they're operating in. So it, it's at once both very sci-fi and fantastical, but it's lived in and oddly familiar, I guess, in that sense. Or this kind of weird romantic kind of thing where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to be in space, but still be able to like go to a swanky casino, <laughs> or wouldn't or. To be in space, but still be like having an ice cream cone in a park that's on the roof of a skyscraper, and and that's kind of where you're at with that show. Uh, I don't even know how to talk about it anymore. I mean, just we we can just talk about what what happens in it or anything else. I mean, that it's it's really kind of difficult. It doesn't have a main through line except ostensibly it's I guess about the backstory of Spike, but you get only bits of that, tiny bits in some episodes. But for the most part, you get bits of it in five, twelve, thirteen. And then twenty five and twenty six, just at the end, and you get bits I of. I think that's all you really you, need. You get bits of Jet's backstory yeah. and Faze, and Jet was a cop and got betrayed, and as now bitter, and he's the one that bought the ship, so he's the only one with any real money, and he's the only one that's even vaguely responsible. But he's become this kind of, in his old age, having not grown and started a family of his own, he's become kind of this like overbearing father figure mm-hmm. to these other younger characters who are a little more on their own world, you know, Spike is this former crime guy who you never really know much about. You don't even really know that until quite a far bit, until episode five, I guess. I mean, it's only hinted at really in parts of episode five. And then with Faye, her backstory is a little more complex, but you eventually kind of get to see, see what's going on with her and why she's the way she is. Right. And then they all kind of go through different experiences that kind of transform them in a weird way. I uh, also have the things I like about the show. So thematically, it's made up of all these different bits and pieces of other cultural things. And it's got the certain type of music and it mixes that with some Western iconography and it mixes with some noir stuff and it mixes with a lot of... Uh, um, you know, they throw in the, uh, the Bruce Lee right. connection and it, and it's, so it's made up of all these things and it's, it's very splintered when it comes to that. But, I, but that kind of like mirrors, you know, what, what the entire, uh, solar system is about in this entire thing, which is because of this event that happened that, you know, literally splintered the moon and sent that rating down and then it splintered the people of the world out throughout this solar system and 
and they all went off to their different places. And so like, it's, it's, it's a, it's about like, you know, how different everybody is and how different all these people's experiences are, but how, you know, similar they are, they are as well and draws them together. So, so out of all that, you know, it's got, it's got, it's got gunplay, it's got martial arts, it's got ship fighting, it's got racing, it's got gambling, it's got heists, it's got, you know, uh, a wide variety. So all, all these different things, you know, mixed into that. It's got guys on horses, you know. Right. Uh, it's got Ganymede rock lobsters. It's got Ganymede it's got, rock lobsters. It's got smart, smart dogs. And after all that, the one, the one thing you're getting that makes it, the, the characters become very real, the main characters. And it's successful because it's able to, it takes itself seriously, but it does so with leisure. Right. And, it has, a, it has a lot most, of levity and sense of humor to a degree in some episodes. But, but even, even without the levity and sense of humor, there's leisure to a lot of it because there's a lot of laying around and you understand you, you, you know, because of the episodes, because of five and 12 and 13 and then the twenties or because of the jet episodes or whatever, you do get to understand what's important to them and what drives them. But you see these people as a normal person would live, which is laying around on couches and taking showers and arguing with people or not arguing because you're trying to sleep. Right. Uh, And, and, uh, and all the, the minutiae, and because of the minutia, you you get you get the sense that these are real people, and this is how real people live. The the Spike character, when you know, when I first experienced, I was like, this is a pretty, this has got to just be some pretty standard anime character. But the more I've watched, the more it's like, you know, the standard anime character is somebody who's very driven to do something, and then it's just kind of robotically obsessed with that, right? And gets to the end and, and struggles with it off and on, and struggles and struggles, and then off and on, you know, and then at the end wins or doesn't win. And in his case he's, he's out, you know, he's anchorless and he's out floundering the world because his ties to the thing that he was passionate about have been severed and he picks up hints of it here and there and he's looking for a girl and he, and, uh, he hears about, you know, the long haired dude with the crow or whatever. There's these snippets of his past life, but even in his past life, you could tell that like, you know, when they show the stuff about them in the past, like, you know, he, he really can be a very kind of like, you know, fun loving and jocular type of person. Uh, and they even show that like back, you know, he had, he had this relationship with her. I think, I think the, uh, the, the character of his, you know, his, uh, unrequited, well requited, but then, you know, gone love passion from the past. I think that was the, the, the one kind of weak portrayal, the entire thing, right. You don't get the sense that that's a real person so much, right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, it's an ideal for him to be chasing. So it doesn't ever really get represented, but 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 she seems flat, especially with how round the Faye character is. Right. There there's 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 almost something a little frustrating that that him and Faye never really develop anything because you kind of think right. that, like that's the. I mean, if you if you're watching any other anime series first, you'd assume that well, eventually they're going to come together, right? Except anime is incredibly frustrating about that because it's some kind of thing about the Japanese where it's like the idea of the longing is more important than the connection, and very few <coughs> animes ever have their characters that they're will they, won't they romantically connecting with ever actually connect. It's pretty rare, actually. If you really think about it, they, you know... But, but, they, don't, but they, they, they only even briefly even hint that there's the slightest bit of, like, there's a scene where, like, one of them's in the bathroom and the other one's talking and, like, it's, I think it's toward the end and you kind of get, like... Well, like the, Faye's frustrated with him because he because he never really like you you, know, you get it, you himself get, up to her or something. You, like you that, get you, know? you get it occasion uh, quite a few times. I mean, 
but but you're right. It is. I mean, that that's a whole can of worms, and I, I'd like to talk about that because I'd like to talk about as as damn near perfect as this show is, and as as sort of like heartbreakingly frustrating as it is to sort of go through. And I took years to finish this show because I saw the end first, and. I knew how it would end, but I didn't know why it ended that way. I, and I still, to, I mean, I do now, but but I, I, I was just like, you know what? I, I don't, I would start I would start watching it. And when I first started, bought the show, I was like, I'm going to watch it. And, you know, I'm going to take my time with it, but I'm going to watch it and then I'll be done. And things kept coming up. Like I got close to where the movie was supposed to be and I started hearing about, oh, there's this movie. Well, how does the movie work? Is the movie a sequel? Or is it, is it like I was already wise to that? Or is it like the Dragon Ball Z movies that don't count? And then you heard, no, 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 it takes place between 22 and 23. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll know why when I get there. And... I had seen up to 22, and I was like, this movie's going to be showing at the theater, like, 20 miles away. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna not going to finish the show until I see the movie. So then I go see the movie, and it's like, okay, I can finish the show now. And then, you know, so, I, you know, I, life happens, and you keep moving along. And then eventually it was like, hey, we're, they're re-releasing the whole show with 5.1 audio. And I'm like, which mattered to me, because I had, you know, a system that could do the 5.1 speakers. And I was like, oh, that'll be awesome. Okay, well, I won't finish the show until I can get it all that way. And so then, you know, it was that, and... Slowly but surely, eventually, uh, you know, you get to a point where you're just like, this is so good. And for me, I mean, you talk about the benchmark thing. Anime, uh, Bebop was most, pretty much the first show I really got into. And it was a total gateway for me because it was like, okay, they've got to be making, sh- if they know how to make a show this good, then they probably can make some shows close to this good. Or there's probably going to be two or three like this. And, you know, so I jump in and I find shows that are different but still good. You know, something like Last Exile is not at all like Bebop, but is a lot of fun and a really good show. And I enjoy it and I'll rewatch it quite a few times. And so, but but that whole time I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to finish Bebop until I feel like I've kind of tapped into as much anime as I can to know that I've... Because that's probably going to be... As a frame the, of reference. Well, because that's probably... I was like, kind of like, yeah, because I was like, that's probably going to be the best show that, that, that just there is going to be. And so until I've seen a lot of other really good ones, I don't want to finish this best one because I'll finish the best one and be like, eh, you know, I'd be doing that, be doing the constant comparison. So eventually I got to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I'm seeing shows like Gurren Lagann and be like, this is really good. And uh, from the get-go. And I had my problems with the ending of Gurren Lagann, but it was still a lot of fun. And then I'm like, you know what? Okay, it's time. So I finally finished finished watching Bebop so I could contextualize the whole show and understand it all. You know, be like, oh, well, that's why that was this way. And that's what this is happening and doing here, referencing to that and everything else. And you're right, you get... You get a lot, but, and I'm going to say this, now I'm at like, you know, so I was in the denial phase, like, I'm never going to finish this show, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, and, and for, I watched it one night, I watched it super late, and it was like after 6am when I finished watching it, the first time I finished it, and I was like, you know what, I was too out of it, I need to rewatch this, so I was in the denial phase, so the following week I turned around and watched the last four again, because I'd never seen 23, 23 was the only episode up to that point that was a completely lost episode to me, so I rewatched the last four and really watched them, and then I kind of sat down and I thought, you know, this is good, but... That ending is kind of rushed, and the fact of the matter is, the ending was very rushed. The way and the show, you know, you know the story of the show, how they only aired like half the episodes the first time it aired because they were too violent, and so then they finally did air the whole show in in its proper way. And the final episode of the show was delivered to like this the satellite company, the broadcast company, the day that it aired. Mm-hmm. That's that shows they were rushed. 
in, in, in interviews with the director, uh, just in talking about like the follow-up show he did, Samurai Champloo, which had a lot of two-part episodes mm-hmm. and ended on a three-part episode. He was talking about how he likes to be able, he liked the freedom of being able to tell longer stories. And I'm like, well, shit, man, why didn't you do that in Bebop where, you know, you really kind of had to get a lot into those 22 minutes. And most of the time it worked. I felt like those were just really full, good 22 minutes. But there was a lot, there's a lot of head scratching and a lot of sort of questions when you get to the final, final bit of the end of the show. Let's hear it. And it's, it's rushed, man. It's rushed. And it, it, there's not, let me put it this way. There's nothing in those last three episodes that I would remove, but there are things they could add like and what? things they could things they could flesh out and take their time. Let's hear it, bro. Okay, well, so Julia and Faye end up together having a cool little like gun sh- shootout car chase scene, right? Mm-hmm. And so that happens, and then there's this moment between the two of them. Faye, after having gone through episode twenty four. Which I think is probably the most moving part of the whole show. In the 24th episode, she, she's looking at a tape that someone sent her of, of stuff that shows her backstory a little. Like, oh, this is how she was. She was this little girl. It was kind of nice and pleasant. And she's like, I don't remember this. And, and she goes and tries to find her, her home. Yeah. And she just has like an epiphany. And her, she gets her memory back when she's taking a shower. And she runs out and bumps into Spike. And he's like, hey, you know, like, you know, like the way they always interact. Like, hey. And she's like, screw you, buddy. You know, nuts to you. And, and she just looks at him and just says, I'm I'm sorry, and then and then takes off, and he's like, "What? Like, who are you?" And it's like you understand that the reason that she's been the way she's been the entire show is partially explained in fifteen because of how she was sort of betrayed and right. manipulated, but also just because she's had to sort of figure out how to survive without knowing anything about where she belongs or where she is, and then when she finally sees, you know, she tries to go home. She thinks she can go home. She thinks she's going to leave the ship in twenty four. The end. Like, oh, I'm going to go. I know where to go. I know where to go. And she goes there, and it's, it's garbage. It's burned down. Her it's ha- garbage. Her, 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 the palatial mansion that mm-hmm. she used to grow up in because she was some rich guy's daughter or whatever is burned to the ground, and there's no one. There's nothing there for her. I always liked that she kind of remembered the explosion. Right. Like, like she has that in her memory, like the, the gate blowing up. Yeah, right, yeah, the... the Put her in a put her in a, the cold storage and all that. No, and then that, that was, was creepy to me. I was like, that was a creepy, nice, creepy touch. It was, yeah. And then the whole thing, <clears throat> and that was the episode where Ed left, just decided to yep. leave, which you were kind of unprepared for, but knew was, I guess, kind of figured it had to happen. They always took Ed out of things when things got really, really heavy. Like in in twelve and thirteen, they Ed just stayed on the ship. Ed wasn't in. They didn't had hadn't found Ed by the by five, so Ed wasn't even an issue. But in 12 and 13, she just stays in the ship. And then when the show's going to end, Ed leaves. Because there's... This is, I'm sorry, Ed, but you, the, this is not for children, you know? <laughs> you, um, and the way that they did that was good. And the fact that... Like, in the end of 24, Spike knows things are over. Because over, he sees Ed wrote, like, bye-bye, see you later. And he's just sitting there quietly. And Jet's like, you know, we got food. Kind of calling back to the first episode. And he's got a cigarette that he just lit. And it's just hanging out of his mouth. And he's just looking down there coldly at it. And he doesn't know who left. I mean, I think they both assume that both of them left completely, because that, and then they leave. And so Faye had to find her way back to Mars on her own. And that's what she's doing at the beginning of 20, 25. So what? She, she encounters Julia. So who she encounters okay. Julia? She's in this mode where she's thinking she wants to change her life. Maybe she wants a break from being a bounty hunter and... Maybe she wants to, she, she proposes teaming up with her because they just had this event, you know? Like, maybe, you know, maybe we should team up or something. And 
Julia's kind of not into that. She's like, oh, that's not really what I think I need to do. She's like, I'm more of a bitch. Right. Well, you think so, maybe. Uh, But then she's like, is there a place where bounty hunters meet? You know, like trying to ask her, like, where's the place? Because she's trying to look for somebody. And Faye kind of, I forget, she says something about like, well, maybe kind of sort of like, you know, whatever. And you get a sense like, okay, this would be a good time for them to go someplace. Because this, there's still more going on with Faye, and there's something going on with Julia, and let's let both of these female characters, who have both been, whether you know it or not, have both been very prominent factors in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Let's let them both just sit down and, and have a drink together. And instead of doing that, Julia just kind of turns on a dime and is like, okay, well then I'll just take you back to your ship. And so she just turns around and takes her back to her ship. And I mean, like, so like a three minute scene, a scene at a bar with those two having to drink, talking and getting, getting, getting each other, uh, the measure of each other would be good. It would, it would add more to Julia's character, which I think you've admitted you it would be nice, would have been nice to have. Mm. And it would have added more to Faye's sensibility about things. And it would have given Faye a sense to know more about Julia too, which is important at the, when you get to the ending to see like, what is, this is the guy, this is what this guy's about, you know, mm. or something. So yeah, so then that sense, that's a whole part that just feels like, why didn't that happen? That would have been good to have that happen. And then Faye shows up, and I mean, when the ship goes down at the end of that first episode, and they reuse that that Road to the West music with the saxophone and all that, which is the only time they use it in the show. They use it twice, at the beginning and at the end, and that's awesome. And that's just like... That is brutal. Like, the ship is killed. They murder the ship. Those, those syndicate guys come, come after him. And there's, you know, you get to have a dogfight thing, and that's exciting. And, you know, you go. Go. Go find her, because she knows that one piece of information. But that, that is like, wow, they did that? And, and the ship crashes into the dirt. That, I don't know. It just, it's based on, like, a three-act structure for a story... That feels a lot like the end of Act 2, when in fact it's the end of the first part of a two-parter. And it isn't even really the end-end, because there's a little bit more after that. Not not much, but a little bit. And, and it's more so in the second episode, in the last episode, that things just get, start to get really rushed. Um, I mean, you've got... Okay, by the end of the f- first episode, you've got the... Because what happens is, Vicious tries to... Cr- to stage a coup, Vicious is captured, his men are killed, and then there's basically a call-down order that anyone that was ever associated with Vicious is going to be killed. And that's what the inciting event of the final episodes. But he's, so, so he, you know, he says, hey, kill me now, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to torture you and kill you slowly. But then by the end of that episode, Vicious is now the head of the, the Red Dragons because he's laid in his subterfuge and yeah. stuff's happened. So that's twi- s- s- twisted up and changed you've had that the syndicate guys were coming after Spike because he was associated with Vicious, I guess. So the question is, is it the proper syndicate or is it the syndicate through Vicious? And at the beginning, I guess it's the syndicate, it's the proper syndicate. And, and there is something about that that is a little unsettling, but kind of cool that could have been played on a little more. The fact that as much as he thought he faked his own death that has been living out in relative obscurity... Which, when you watch, see the events of the entire show, you're like, there's no way this guy's maintained any obscurity. <laughs> Those guys could have gotten to him at any time. And they pretty much, once they do want to come after him, they do. Yeah. And it's, it's hardcore. And, he, and there's nothing but consequences. Jet gets shot in the leg and is essentially kind of hobbled for the whole rest of the show. <laughs> and is useless. Uh, and it's almost embarrassing. Really, it is. It's something, something unsettling about it. 
And so then in that second episode, it's like, finally, Spike's going to encounter Julia. And she, you know, it ends with the, the, the first episode, end of the first part of the ending, ends with her pointing a gun at him, just so then they have, like, a good cook or something. Like, mm. what's she going to do? And you never really know how the Spike-Julia thing worked out till then. You've seen these clips of these flashbacks, and my whole sensibility was that she's going to be the traditional femme fatale type, where... There was a love triangle. He liked her. She kind of liked him, maybe. But ultimately, she betrays him on some level, and he has to bail. And he's still obsessed with her, and so he wants to find her. But she ha- really doesn't care about him that much. That was my real grounded, like, that's going to be the yeah. way it is. And it, it really kind of kind of knocked me down pretty heavily to see that that's not what it was. It was, you know, I mean, for whatever reason, it was just that she couldn't be with him. They couldn't leave together. You know, she was supposed to kill him, and she didn't, so she just left. And mm-hmm. then he felt like she just left, and he couldn't go off with her. And they couldn't leave together, leave the syndicate together. Like what Asimov did in the first episode. And so when she puts the gun down and then she embraces him and it's like you see that she actually really loves him. Mm. And there's like this weird kind of tender moment for just like a tenth of a second. And you're like, okay, that's not the thing I thought it was going to be. Like that's not her being a femme fatale. She's actually incredible, being incredibly vulnerable and just open about her feelings and it's like kind of sad like this whole this whole time it's okay for me as like a dude to think about it like this guy is being a chump about this woman that probably doesn't feel the same way he does about her you know but then when you finally see you, you see the believe in love right well maybe the show taught me that i should because then when you know when you finally see them get together it's like oh she actually really does love him and mm-hmm. And that's, then I want more to that backstory. And you get little bits, but it's never quite as much as I would like to see to really ground their their love for each other. And and so, basically... I'll, I'll agree that there was not enough to ground their love for each other to, to make that realistic. And that was my main problem. You, you get that he loved her. You get that he's obsessed with finding her. Um, though not in a way that, that ruins him living his normal life. It's no, not when really. He gets, when he gets the idea when that he, he could possibly find her, then he's like... Once, he, yeah. He, he asks her. But he doesn't like really actively look right. for her, which is right. which is the other problem I well, no, the, He doesn't, but, but that's the thing, is that he doesn't have to actively look for her because he's just a guy trying to survive at, 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 right, at yeah. this point, basically. But the, these things awake, you know, awaken parts of him that are really more passionate and driven underneath that. All. Right, yeah. Um, you get that in 12 when him and, him and Jen have here, the fight. Here's what I would do. If I could make one suggestion for the whole thing. At one point, maybe he could have talked about her, like in a middle episode, let's say, and uh, someone like Faye could be like, you know, what was so special about her? Like, how do you know? And, he, and so he could have told a story like this. They, they went out on a date one time. And the tooth was broken? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> And they they drove around for hours looking for an all night dentist, dentist right? and the yeah. only one they could find, the only all night dentist, you know, which exists, they could find was a drunk guy because you know, right? At three in the morning, you know, what dentist isn't drinking, really? Really, yeah. Uh, and you know, and then he fixed the wrong tooth. Uh, but she loved him anyway, she, and she loved him anyway, right? I, yes. I mean, a thing like that would let you know that right. their relationship was based was on real, real, true, true love. love. Yes. Why are you mocking me? I'm not mocking you. This is serious. I know, right? No, it is serious. Put that in about episode seventeen, let's say. Right, right, right. right when they're done having, when they're coming down from the mushrooms, they could talk about that. Yes, right. Perfect. <laughs> in the HD redo, that's what will happen. The HD redux, yes. So they embrace, and then there's this just moment with them for a second, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, the next time you see them, they're in her car, and they're driving to 
visit the the woman with the grocery store who was in episode five, Annie. Yeah. And he's kind of looking out the window, kind of withdrawn from her and giving her kind of instruction, like, drive carefully. Like, because they figure, you know, they're both, they both come together because they know they're both in danger now because they were both associated with Vicious. And so the syndicates got hits out on both of them. And so then when they get into the thing, you see the character of Annie has been taken out. She's sitting there bleeding to death. And Julia is legitimately concerned for her. And he's like, oh, you, you know, you found her again. You know, you kids are going to be okay, maybe. <clears throat> and then uh, he goes and gets the shotgun and he starts loading the shotgun. And Julia's like, if we, if we just leave, like we can be together. Let's just do what we were going to do before the show even started. Let's just leave. And, and we won't, we don't need the shotgun if we leave. And he doesn't even look at her. He just keeps loading the shotgun. And then shit goes down. And then shit goes down. And then the show is pretty much on its way to ending. And it's just rolling at that point. I mean, and... Uh, Are you still talking about this stuff being a problem? No, none of that. It's, like I said, but it is... It's, it's, it's like... I think that's good stuff. Man. I would want... I it think... shows what he really cared about. He, yes he and no, that, right? He wanted that revenge. He man. wanted that revenge for a, a woman who clearly... Had a, had had a, a, an affection for, but you only saw once in the fifth episode. Yeah, but but when he's ignoring her to load a shotgun, that's not showing that he wants it about her anymore. It's showing that he the, in that whole time was just as much concerned about, you know, just that that entire the past. The yes, I understand the all past that. Being something it's, he could it's confront good, and it's good. St- I'm not saying I'm not saying he should run away with her. I'm, it, it's great stuff. But it's like, I think I would have just wanted another scene with them before it had come to that. Like to the re- full penetration? Possibly. No, there was a flashback with that. But then it just it just starts rolling, and and it's, uh, you know, and then Julia's dead two minutes later, and Jet goes to talk to the old Native American guy, and the Native American guy just tells him, look, this is over. The guy's going to buy the farm. It's done. He's going to, he's off to the infinite. Mm-hmm. And Jet's pretty pissed off about the whole thing. But it is what it is. And you're kind of left wondering, like, what the fuck is up with this guy? And you know what? That doesn't need to be answered. I'm fine with, 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 with laughing. Yeah, you bull. seem like it. Your body language and the raising of your voice. No, I'm actually I'm fine, fine with that. I really like that, actually. And the way that they use him in the movie is good, too. And, and they did have a bit of him talk about Julia in the movie, remember? He's in the... Uh, when they're in the the prison cell, it's just mm. talking, but it is what it is. And then, uh, yeah, you get you get he comes back to the ship, get a little meal, get a little food, and that's really good when he comes back to the ship. When he when, when Jet when Sp- Spike and Jet sit there, and Spike tells them the story about the cat, and then they both have the 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 manly sardan- sardonic laugh. Yeah, they both share that like understanding of okay, this is this is it then, huh? This is the way it's gonna be. And uh, and yeah, and then he encounters Faye. And Faye yells at him about, like, you're not, you don't have to be controlled by your past. And you're right. That would have been a really good bit if you almost get, like, the sense that, like, she doesn't know what to do without him kind of thing. Mm. Like, now that her, now that she knows that her, there's no past for her to go to, because that was such a big thing with her, was this obsession with, I don't know my past. Maybe when I discover it, I'll know where I belong. And the truth is, now that she's discovered it and she still belongs nowhere, she belongs here. Just as it's fallen apart. And there's tragedy. There's great stuff with her. Like, she doesn't know that Ed and I have left. That's another thing that they didn't deal with in the final two episodes. Because in the fi- in 25, she's like, well, why can't Ed or Ayn take care of Jet while he's all shot up? How did he get shot up? And then they never actually address her learning that they're gone. That would have been a good scene between her and Jet, maybe. But it adds dramatic irony that she doesn't know. I, I don't, no, I no, think, it adds at the beginning. I don't think any of that is important. But, but, but it is because it's the end. It's important to kind of let the character... It's important to let there be closure. You're doing so much closure that it's important to kind of 
give those kind of pe- all of those pieces. I like, agree with that. Nah, it, it it adds better depth to the character. Instead, it's just like she does doesn't care. Apparently, by the end, she's she's dealt with it or just to, doesn't know why. And it's never ad- it's just never addressed for her why they're not there. And uh, yeah, then she shoots the gun up in the air like it's at the end of. Uh, Bad Boys 2. Bad Boys 2. <laughs> uh, uh, point Break. Point Break. And then, yeah, they, they lay in with the real folk blues music, which like, I agree. I do not like that song. I think I, I really don't. I think that there's a, most of the music in Bebop I love, but I hate that, that song. The yeah, end. That song sucks. And that's a crappy, crappy thing. That's another anime trope that a lot of times they love to play towards the end of the show. They love to play the the ending theme song or the opening theme yeah. song, and it's like, why are you doing this? Like, we have to hear this every they episode. Did that in Gurren They did that in Gurren They brought in the theme music. They, they do that a lot. I don't like it. And so then he goes to the, to the you know, to take things down, and it's um, I didn't like the environment of the uh, of the syndicate headquarters. It's pretty with, foreboding. With the, uh, with, the, with the glass sliding doors, it's like a mall or yeah. something, and then the escalator, and it's just, it's like a skyscraper kind of thing. And there's neat things about it, but there's other things that are kind of like, well, I don't know. And it, I mean, it's good gunfight stuff, but it's not nearly as good as the episode five gunfight in the church, where way more awesome shit happens. I mean, they're throwing grenades around, shooting people in the head, he gets shot, and all kinds of other things. In this, it's more like, you know, he plants some sticky bombs on the escalator and shoots a couple guys and then Shin shows up to help him out and then Shin gives him the final message, you know, we were all just waiting for you to come back and take over. And that's kind of like, ah, oh, I want a little more with that, too, and, and, and in terms of the interaction. And then then he shows up and just takes the guy out and dies. And the show ends. And that's where it's like, okay, now it's over. And then they play another song I don't really like that much. To end the show, and it's like ah, I like to think that Spike survived. Well, here's the thing about that: in episode five, he gets shot like like on the side, in the center, in the proper body yeah. on the side, and then he gets thrown two stories onto onto stairs, and they wrap him up like a mummy, and he's hunky dory. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he gets shot a bunch of times, and he's fine. I I. Like I said, I watched the ending twice in one week, and for the life of me, he gets shot like up in the shoulder, and then he gets a knife thrown at him in the shoulder. I cannot identify him getting any real like f- for the context of the show, any real mortal wound. Like what knocked him out? It seems like he just kind of passes out. Like doesn't he get slashed at the end? Daniel Plainview? No, he really he doesn't. He doesn't like get like a gut. He doesn't get sure stabbed it's a gut through. Slash. I don't think so. No, no, they, it's they, it's a it's a double kill. I, shot and guts. I, I I looked at that the second time. I was like, "Is it a double kill? Is it a double kill?" And I'm like, "Doesn't seem like it was a double kill thing. It seemed like he really just it sounds you know, like you're even more wishful than me." No, I'm not more wishful. I'm fine with, with with that being his fate. I think it makes sense by the end because, like I said, once <clears throat> once it bothered sh- me. It bothered me deeply. It doesn't now at all. I I agree with that. That's that. It makes the most dramatic sense, and it it's kind of him. Uh, it's kind of, it kind of makes it the like you know. He went back to fulfill his destiny, which had to end in death. Right, yeah. But because of the violent nature of this. Well, it's the Daniel Plainview thing. I'm done. I mean, even it, whether, whether he suffered a mortal wound or not, he collapses and that's it for him. But and, I, like, I like the idea of thinking that, like, all this other stuff with the adventure and the, the laziness and the just kind of living life was like... Like this is what spinning your wheels is. Right. This is, yeah. this is the this is putting off your path. This is a break. Right. Where uh, you know this is a break in the actual arc of life, which is fulfilling your destiny. And then when you finally decide, you know. Yeah. 
no, no, you get that in five, you know, yeah. my past is catching up with me. And But, but you get that, that constantly. That said, I'm from the school of thought that is, I want the, I want the guy to live. I want the good guy to live. Well, of course. Yeah. And and, and, I, I, and now my way to to sort of screw so when, when I've seen the last episode and the camera's pulling away on his him laying there and the other guy laying there, I'm like, oh, he just moved, right? Or like, oh, they're about to come it's in. Not, and get it's him. not. It's not. It's not even he that. Just passed out. It's not even that the other guy. It's <coughs> because he walks down. I mean, yeah, right. He walks. He down comes down like like two stories of an elevator right. and everything, and then there's all those guys standing there like in amazement, uh, you know, mouths agape. And he just goes bang and keels over, and then they pull away and they keep pulling away, yeah. and then what you get to see is like sun rising over like the mid downtown Mars, yeah. And it's like oh, he's okay, he's that's fine. what we're seeing. But then they cut to a black and white shot of his face, like down. That's the ending, <laughs> and the star fades. But you wonder: is the star for vicious or for him? Right? Because it's only no. one. <laughs> or for or for Julia? The right? Indian makes it pretty clear. Yeah, the Indian makes it very clear. That uh, you know he's off to the infinite or whatever. Um, so my way to skirt around that is I want four more episodes when they redo when they do the HD Redux, which just this show is worth doing. I want four more episodes. Okay. I want I want one episode that's just a fun in the same vein of the casino episode episode about like some kind of con, some kind of long con bounty where they're going after some bounty guy that's trying to go after like a rich high society family thing. Where the second half of the episode is all of them dressed up like I've seen production art of this, like where they're all dressed fancy, like at a casino, like in suits and stuff, and and evening gowns and shit. All of them, even Ed, dressed up all fancy, like going through having some zaniness in a in a like like a a ball, like literally like something where they have to go to bust some con man. And that would have been a, that would be a fun episode just but for the sake. They of wouldn't let Ed be there. Ed would be there. They wouldn't let Ed be there. Why? Because they would be smart enough. Not, they would need because, Ed for some reason. No, listen. You gotta. You, you can't just do what you want. You gotta do what the characters would do. I know. You already know that they don't allow Ed to uh, get involved in any sort of potentially violent situation. Well, you you make a reason for why Ed needed to be. Ed would need to break into some computer thing on the location or something. So they have to bring her, and it would be like it's a ball. How dangerous can it get? And it wouldn't even get that dangerous. It would be like sliding around Temple of Doom style shit, you know? It would be a fun episode. It would be Home Alone sliding under the cop's legs on the ice. Exactly. Right? And it'd be a fun episode that would get to be like all right towards the end of the show. That would get to be all four of them kind of working together, which you rarely ever got to see was all four of them really working together well and kind of like this family unit of bounty hunters. And you would use that one piece of music that they never used in the show that's in the second soundtrack. They would use, they finally get to use that piece. And I'd like that. So that would be one episode, just for the sake of that. <coughs> that sounds like the, the, my, that would be my least favorite episode. You'd probably hate it, but I think a lot of people would love it, and I would enjoy Is it. There, could there be a Ganymede Rock Lobster in it? <laughs> There'd point? be a whole bunch in it. It's a big, fancy ball. That's why Spike would go. Okay. You right. you he specifically reference the Ganymede Rock Lobster. He won on that one. Right, yeah. So he's gonna wipe out the entire rock lobster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Population. He's like, I'm gonna eat so many rock lobsters at this this mother. <laughs> and he'd be eating rock lobster as well, like Faye was running or sliding around and you know, blah blah blah. And then um a two parter, because I think it needed another another two parter that would be what everybody wants. A little bit with the syndicate backstory, as it relate, but more so relating to Spike and Je- how Spike and Jet met. So a backstory that episode, two parter about that. 
that would maybe somehow relate to Annie a little because I feel like I would have wanted I wanted to see her again in the show before just showing up at the end dead. So that would be that would help to flesh out a little bit of some of those lingering sort of tangential aspects of the complexities of the syndicate and the back you know little bits of backstory, not just to over explain everything, but but really just to get to to better ground like those two characters and it would be kind of I mean almost like that Firefly episode where you got to see how he bought how he got the ship and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? That kind of thing. So that's three of them. And then just a third episode for the finale that could have things like the bar scene with Faye and and Julia and another scene with Jet and and Faye where, you know, Faye had to deal with the fact that Ed and I were gone and a little more of that. And maybe a little bit more with Julia and Spike before Julia died and uh just a little bit more breathing room for things, because that epi- basically those two episodes are them being chased and them t- sort of talking about being chased for a second, and then them being chased again, and then it's over. But th- that said, I mean, there's a lot. This just so I love that they still, as much as the, the the final episodes are on Mars and not being about changing the environment or anything, because they'd kind of gotten over that at a certain point. They can only do so many different places. They still did different things. Like, while they're staging one of their conversations while Spe- Spike and Jet are talking, and Jet tells him about the Snows of Kilimanjaro, you know, he tells him about the Hemingway story. They're going from one city to another on Mars, and in order to do that, all they do is they don't leave atmosphere. So it's all, it's in, in the cockpit, which you hardly ever see in the show. And you just you can see out these windows, these massive red planet like like horizon with these craters as they talk and it's all dark and it's like that's cool we it's one of those weird realism things too where it's like it kind of grounds the fact that this ship is able to kind of travel over yeah <laughs> i mean it's just a different way for them to to, to trans to move from place to place that you've never seen them actually use in the show and i liked that and uh and i really liked the uh i like why does it say five episodes up there it's seven discs of five episodes each, the way I figure it. By adding, oh, I thought you meant adding five episodes. Adding four episodes to the 26 makes 30, plus I figure the movie is about the equivalent of five episodes. So I got it all structured there. If they did do it like they did do, did with Ava, if they did go back and redo it for HD, which is worth doing because it's a good enough show, I would have it be the first seven... The first 18 episodes in a row, and then I would go, I would take out 19 and 20, and I would go 21, 22, then the movie, and then 19 and 20. The only reason I can think of, having finished the show and seen 23, that the movie takes place between 22 and 23, is apparently Andy, in the samurai form, shows up in the movie and the parade, and the Big Shots bounty hunter show has been cancelled. In 23. It gets cancelled in 23, and it's on in 20, in the movie. It's a regular show. So those are the only two things. So all that, re- all that really means is that episode 22 needs to happen before the movie. A lot of other stuff in the show could have happened after the movie. Now, given where the characters are at in the movie, not too much of it could. But one thing I like about putting 19 after the movie is that 19 starts with him on Earth and his ship is busted to shit. And at the end of the movie, his ship is busted to shit. So that almost seems to very directly connect the movie <laughs> to the show in a way that, that doesn't make sense because, of course, the movie was made two years later. 
And so there is no real good way to do it, but that would do it in my, in a very satisfactorily way, in my opinion, it would be like, well, at the end of the, after the end of the movie, they had to go pick up Spike's busted ship and then they had to drop him off on earth so he could get it fixed. And that's how 19 starts. 19 is the one where he gets the ship fixed. He gets his little zip craft fixed. And that's how I would structure it. That's okay. how I would change it up. Can I add one more episode? Do you want to add a whole fresh one? Yes. So, let's see. How many totals does that give you with the extra four? With the extra four, it gives me, it gives me a total of, of 35 if you count the movie as five. Okay. Let's not count the movie as five. So okay, it gives you 30. 30, yeah. So, episode you, 31. A clip show? <laughs> you oh love your clip gosh. shows. No, because you'd have to put that at uh, you'd have to put that at fifteen. Right, yeah. If you had thirty, you'd have to put right. clip show. So two episodes. Add a clip show at about episode just, six. Just to screw up your thing, right in between nineteen uh twenty three and nineteen. Twenty two and nineteen. Okay. I'm looking at. I don't know, I can't so, really read it. But yeah. So sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 21, 22, clip show, movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, and then you get to the end, and then here's episode 31. Oh, after the end. Yes. Right. So Spike wakes up on the staircase, right? Right, yeah. Uh, all the guys are gone. Uh, right. He's, he's fine. He's, right. He's okay. He's, like, oh. he's like, yeah. I, I went like, clean through. And he's like, he's like, like I'm overreacted to what's going to happen to me. And then, and then he goes and uh, decides, like, well, hell, I better go just, like, you know, find some place to drink. And he gets so drunk that he uh, hallucinates... And ends up uh, spending the rest of the episode banging Julia's ghost like in MacGruber. With full <laughs> penetration. Oh my gosh, in MacGruber? I don't remember anything about ghost banging. He bangs his ghost with the ghost of his dead wife. Oh, that's right. I do vaguely remember that, yeah. And that's, that's your episode 31 MacGruber episode? <laughs> it's not don't, 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 don't belittle it by don't calling it. Don't belittle it by calling it the MacGruber episode. I just <laughs> Sorry, think, yeah, right. He does something in it, like, right. you know, similar to what happened in MacGruber, but it wouldn't be comedic. Right, no, no. It would be so he would just have visions of the ghost of yeah, and then you, he, never, and you then, never see him barrier either, right? You never see him barrier or anything either, which would be, may have maybe been you nice. what You never see him barrier. You never see him deal. I mean, you know, he holds her in his arms, and then that's it. You know, you don't need to see that. Yeah, like, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm finding out that you have issues with closure, obviously, because of this. You right. taking 55 years to watch the show. Right. Well, yes and no. <laughs> so this, you have issues with it's closure. It's rushed, and then your issues with closure are actually very specific about every single thread that happens in the show. You want to have a scene where people get buried, people tell people they left, and somebody grieves that they right, never right, had a dog right. and a little girl to play with. Well, I think, you know, only because, <laughs> only because it does such a good job with some of the closure, there's a few other things. Only where I feel like it could do something beneficial the only thing to the closure in the entire show for it to matter is Spike's life to end. Right, it just has to That's die. It. Yeah. Right. Um, they, let, I'll, I'll tell you this. Having seen... All these other things. Now they did everything right. They did. They did, they did everything right. They did. They really they did. did everything. They, I would say that everything that they did. And all that stuff that happens in the end that you felt was rushed, were suddenly bang, bang, bang. I feel. I. I always feel like when I've watched through it, that you get. Listen, if you're watching a series and you know how many episodes it is already, yeah, then you're already getting this foreboding feeling as you get there. Yeah, but, I, they, but they start dropping things. Things start dropping from this world. The right. show. The the. It no, it's telling ends. you it's ending. Yeah, the dog, you know, the dog ends, and I mean, when when all those things happen, like I don't feel like it's rushed. I feel like it's it's jarring and unsettling, and it's supposed to be. No, it, it, and it still would be with 
you know, 22 more minutes of stuff. I'm saying it would it would just be it would be uh, take it would linger on things a little more, and it would do a little more with the characters, and it would give you what you have admitted is a problem, which is the love thing. I think that I think it'd be worth exploring that Julia character. I don't think 22 more. minutes was necessary. I think I think. Uh, a couple of shots of a flashback and two minutes conversation with someone where he mentioned a couple of things would have done it for me. Well, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. It gets it gets to that level. Plus, I and I'll tell you this, as I'm watching the ending the first time I watched it, I, I still, in the back of my head, had a memory. Wait, I changed that, my mind. He doesn't bang his ghost wife. He bangs Faye. Oh, wow. And the chick from the movie. <laughs> and then yeah. Electra? Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Now we're talking. And then kills himself. Ah, maybe he'll hold off. Because, because he's banging. He, he, he remembers banging. Yeah, he's yeah. like, wait. He's he's like, like oh, wait. I, I forgot banging. I forgot about banging I for forgot, years. I forgot I could bang other chicks. This banging thing is like, you know, right. I'm over that Julia bitch now. This is good to go. I'm good to go. Right. I completely actually remembered the ending wrong, too. On top of all of that, I, I, I could have sworn when I saw it the first time on Adult Swim. And to this day, I cannot explain how I thought that. Because having seen it the first time, why would mm-hmm. I? And the only thing I can think is I must have combined it maybe with episode 20, is I could have sworn that ep- the final episode, that it ends with him keeling over on his way out, but she shows up, that Faye actually does show up to try to try to help him out at the end, after yelling at him about why is he going to go and all this other stuff, you know, that she shows up at the end, and, you know, and he's sitting there, and that he says something to her, and then kind of dies in her arms. I, I thought that happened in the ending. I've and kind of always thought that too. Doesn't when I, I think back on it, I always I always think that she shows up in the end. I always think that she's the last person I see in the episode. Right. right well, yeah. Like he says something to her, and I could never remember what that was. And to me, that was the real thing I was trying to forget. Was was I was trying to do my best to be like I want to understand what is that last I thing? Should have banged you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was all just a dream. But instead, it's like that's what Julia says to him when she dies. And Faye only shows up in 20 to, to, to try to rescue him. And then fails miserably at it. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't actually show up. He rescues her in five, which is hilarious. I mean, I, think, I, I don't know. I think I was just disappointed in certain bits of it. Like I said, the mu- I didn't like the ending parts of the music. I didn't like the way that the environment of the ending with, with, with the look of the syndicate headquarters... It felt kind of sparse and, and kind of open. Yeah, it should have been in some sort of like secret cave. I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm being I'm being overly critical. I know, yeah, you but are. but five was just so good. Five was just, just so. The music was good when he walked, you know, up to it, and then uh, I don't think I've seen anything as awesome as when he shot that guy in the head in five. I mean that character just. To I don't ex- remember five. At experience all. that character from one, two, and three, and what four. What in five? Five is when Mao gets killed, and Vicious calls him out basically by killing Mao and putting a bounty on Mao, knowing that he's become a bounty hunter apparently. And then Faye goes looking for Mao, and Faye gets captured. Wait, and then who's Faye- Mao? Mao is the is the guy that you know was apparently Spike and Vicious's like capo that they were enforcers for or something. He was like there. He, he brought him up, you know, and. uh so she gets captured, and then he, uh, and he knows, you know, he goes and gets guns from Annie and everything, and he knows something's going on. And he's gonna, and he thinks this is it. He's gonna like, I'm gonna go take down, take care of him. I'm gonna go because he killed Mao, and he's calling me out, and you know, my past is catching up with me. And this is the fifth episode of the show, and then Faye coincidentally calls in, but it's not really a coincidence. That says they've captured her, and then he needs to know where it is. And she thinks, oh, you're going to come rescue me, hooray, you know? And he's like, don't take it personally, you know? <laughs> I got my reasons. 
He shows up. The guy's got the gun to her head. Because after Vicious and him talk. Sure. You know, Vicious does the whole, when Spike, when angels are thrown out of heaven, they become devils, and you're just watching them through a dream you can't wake up from, and all that stuff. With the awesome music and everything. And the guy's like, put your gun down. You know, the criminal guy's got gun to her head. And he does what he always does, is he never, ever puts his gun down. In the whole show, when someone's had a hostage or anything, and that's consistent in the whole show. If he trains his gun on somebody, he does not put it down. In the movie, when, when the, one of the convenience store guys at the beginning has a gun to this old lady, he doesn't put the gun down. He just keeps stepping forward on the guy. <laughs> and the guy's like, what, what's, go, what's going on here? <laughs> and freaks out. And in, the, and in five... He just looks at him, dead-eyed, just cold as shit. And the music hits like this like hard mar- minor chord or whatever. And the guy's mid-sentence. He's like, what's the matter if you don't? And then boom. And he shoots him right between the eyes. As he seizes up and everything. She gets a little blood splattered on her, you know? And you're just like, holy shit. That character just did that. Like, that it, it just straight up brutally turned, trained the gun on the guy, knew that guy was going to die. And that he was going to kill him, and that, that there was no no hemming and hawing about it, no like incidental, like the guy was shooting at me, I was shooting at him. This is just the way things happened. Up until then, I'm fairly confident he had not killed anyone in the show either. He he had fought with Asimov, he fought with uh, Hakim, he got kind of jerked around by by a guy uh, in the spacesuits. In four, uh, there was the Trinkle Maria stuff, but that never amounted to anything. But yeah, he hadn't, and so the first guy he kills is someone that isn't shooting at him right in the head. It's just it's just unapologetic as hell. And it, and it immediately tell, gives you that much more depth about the character. I'd like to add one more edit to the entire series. <laughs> what? So, in that one with the... Uh, so, the guy who frustrates him most out of anyone who he's ever met, including Vicious... Andy? He's the cowboy guy, right? Right, Andy? So, what if at the very end, after all that, he just blows him away? <laughs> at the end of 22? Yeah. He kills Andy? <laughs> Right, when Andy's turned into it. Like, like, it basically has ended, and, you know, and, like, you know, everything's going down to its denouement, mm-hmm. and uh, he just, blam, kills the guy. <laughs> right. And then he's like, what now? What now? What now? Yeah, and he kind of, you know, stands over his body, and right. and, uh, and and the other characters could stand there horrified, and just <laughs> oh my God. shaking in terror and backing away slowly. Well, that was all you talk Real about. <laughs> no, uh, you talk about the whole Faye thing with their relationship, and I mean that's a big part of what ha- I mean. What happens in D five because he does rescue her, but he does it in such a brutal way, and she's completely horrified by the whole situation. Like she's way over her head. You know, when she encounters Vicious, it scares the shit out of her. She's frozen like deer in headlights to the point where in twelve, when she hears his voice on on the on Gren's answering machine she drops a glass and freezes up and then doesn't scary, want yeah. doesn't want Gren to go see him because she's like no this guy will kill you this is not okay this is not funny funny joke joke i'm a cynical lady this is me i'm being vulnerable i like you you seem like a friendly guy you're a person in my life that i can talk to please don't go please don't leave and then she, she does what she always does is she you know tries to accost him and like at gunpoint, trying to make him stay, which is kind of what she does with mm-hmm. this, with Spike at the end. But yeah, no, they could have they could have hinted at something a little more there. I don't know. I don't know if it was right for them to do that, but I definitely think there should have been more banging in the show. Like, like because there was none. I'd like to see you know like I think I, they might I was, have banged Andy. While I was talking know. about 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. because she spends the night with him. That because he's yeah, rich. But, she, but she but it shows how how in, unimpressed in, she is. With she's him, like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. this guy's a jerk. But she spends like, really the night. Yeah. So what happened that whole night? You know, she just oh, passed God. out on the couch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, of course, probably. But I was thinking, like, you know, you could show some jet banging at some point, and then <laughs> I thought. I immediately thought, oh my god, Ed banging, and I was like, "This is where, this is why I shouldn't keep my mouth shut." Yeah, stuff, yeah, that, that I, wouldn't. Because that my, my train of thought turned into we'd have to show the dog banging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would not be okay. No, no, it's um. I mean, most anime is pretty light on the on the sexuality, though, to a degree. Yeah, right. I mean, even the ones where there's a, a guy with um. you know, ten women hangs, living with hangs him around yeah. naked chicks all day. There's no banging. Right. Yeah. No, and so the, there's a lot of to uh, its, bowing and backing away and apologizing. To it, to its credit, there is like reference in the flashbacks in the final episode, though, to yeah, to banging, and it, and it was kind of like okay. I just think that I mean, if this was if this was an Americanized property that was turned into a film, just to enforce a character's masculinity, they have them do kind of random banging. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And it has a lot to do with James Bond, sure, but it also just has a lot to do with the fact that. To, sh- to, show, to show the human side of any character who's who's on an obsessive quest or whatever, you stop off for some random for some randoms like yeah. and, and you know you generally pop in. I mean, James Bond is is a a dog that's been taken off his leash that's heading uh, with terrifying force toward the ending of everything. Yet he finds very leisurely moments for some full penetration, like here, you know, right. Uh, Two or three times a film, right? You know what I mean, like, and that's become ingrained in our culture. Definitely, every every single uh, Die Hard film has a twenty minute long. No, <laughs> no just I don't think any of them do. Actually. <laughs> no, uh, Lethal Weapon. Right. No, anytime where there's a buddy cop thing, you've got to throw that in because, especially now, because the whole the whole like homosexual insinuation is something. Yeah, you got to show that they're not right. It's but. like the the opening of the first episode of Bebop. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, someone can have some Yeah, yeah. There's a guy with his shirt off, exercising. The other guy's wearing an apron, and he's like, "Hey, dinner's ready, buddy." And it's like, "What? What is up with these dudes?" Yeah, a couple of gay guys. There's a couple of dudes living together, right. cooking and you know, exercising and stuff. And to, I always thought that was kind of weird that they have him exercising the first episode, and then he never exercises. And then they have him at the in the end of the first episode, and then it's never ever used again. And I'm like, that was that they should have used that whole. Thing. I would in the two parter that I'm going to do when I get the show rebuilt. Lots of Spike shirtless, just no, just 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 drenched with another, another episode, another bit of, bit of, bit of to call to call it back. Shit. Right? Yeah. What if what if 31 was? So there is no 31. <laughs> There's no 30 either. <laughs> so so 30. What if so in 31 he wakes up right? Right. Uh, let's take out the ghost bang, okay? okay so no okay. more ghost bang. No more ghost bang. So, so, he so wakes, first thing is he goes, he go, he get, he's like, you know what? He's still on the escalator, or what's he, where are we? Yeah, go? he gets, yeah, he gets off, he gets off that. He goes down and uh, you know he gets a burger. Let's say. So all the dudes are kind of like they bow to him now, like like no, because, they're gone. Where did they go? They just, they, just, they were like you the know, whole this, Red Dragon Syndicate. Yeah, like, the remaining members done. are like, like this is done. over. We're gonna go. He be- just ended it all. We're shocked. Okay. I'm not even gonna clean up. I'm leaving. Okay. I'm gonna go back to my the farm. He blew up the roof because that happened. Which I thought was kind of like, well, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he wakes up and you know he's like, oh, he's like, oh, geez, it's cold, you know. So he, uh, so he goes and he um, gets a hot cup of coffee. He gets a hot cup of coffee and maybe some pie in a diner. Some pie, right? Yeah. And then he goes and he's like, uh, he sees himself in the mirror and he's like, oh, he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, I have not cut my hair in a while, in like 
seven years. Right. right? <laughs> so he goes and gets a haircut and looks like a normal guy. And uh, and then he goes. He looks a lot like Lupin at that point. Yeah, though. he looks like Lupin. He gets some sideburns out of the deal. And uh, <laughs> well, they've always been there. You just couldn't see them. Yeah, right, there. right. And then he uh, and then he finds uh, Faye crying at a little makeshift grave she made for him. <laughs> makeshift. Uh, yeah, makeshift. You know, out of uh, popsicle sticks. Okay. Um, and she's she's sprinkling. Uh, uh, bell peppers and beef all over the grave. <laughs> nice. And uh, he shows up, you know, and she's like, "Oh man, you're alive." He's like, "I'm great." And I'm then, great. <laughs> and uh, can he have at least have one arm in a sling from the? Yeah, but he has a good arm sling. He's got he's got uh, one. Of the, he's got the the rack with the blood on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you know that like, and he's got the coat with the one arm that's yeah. in the sling, not in the coat. So that's so then when she runs up and embraces, he's like, "Oh, that hurts." But, but then he's cool, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you know like the. The warmth and the, sensual curves of her body, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of make up for it, feel yeah. better. And then you know, then the bang. Uh, Wait, immediately with the wound and everything? <laughs> oh no, they go and find a place. They talk. Mm-hmm. They talk. And then she's like, you know, I met that Julia chick, and like, I wasn't really that impressed. And he's like, yeah, you know, it turns out I wasn't either. <laughs> and, uh, and they kind of talk about that a little bit, and then and then they bang. At the very end, <clears throat> they find Jet right fishing on a dock. Sitting on the dock of the bay. Right. He's fishing. He's got on, like, one of those fisherman's hats. Nice. Like, really like transporter? Yeah. Like transporter. <laughs> the hooks in it and stuff? And uh, and they pop up, and they're like, guess what? We did it. Uh-huh. And he's like, first of all, you're alive. I'm stunned. Yeah. Uh, Second then, of all, what took you so long? Yeah, what took you so long? And then third of all, uh, can I bang one or either of you? <laughs> Please. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, and then... The happiest thing. This is how you know the series is really over. Right. The, the ending uh, song changes. It becomes something much more tolerable. And, more <laughs> and pleasant. And and no longer uh, sad shots of uh, rainy uh, roses in the puddle. Right, yeah. Uh, now you get a shot of uh, <laughs> full penetration. Right. Something that lets you know, like bell peppers and beef. Well, let's you know, right. things are, are, are right. going to be great again. Yeah, yeah. With meat. In <laughs> 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 back to the happy times, right? Yeah, back to the back to the yeah. days of good back things. Back to the good times, and then they hop on the ship, which is rebuilt, and they go back to Earth to pick up Ed and I. No, no, they find a new ship, a new ship, new beginnings, new beginnings. New beginnings. Okay, and they call it the Bebop Two, or what do they call it? No, they'll call it uh, the Hard Bop. They'll, <laughs> they'll just have to. Be, it'll, they'll call it a word that doesn't make any sense. The fusion, yeah, some, something that has no uh, no re- frame of reference to anything. Okay, uh, they call it they call it the Lebowski. Okay, right. And uh, and then they fly off straight into the sun. <laughs> third, third star to the right and on till morning. <laughs> yeah, see, now that wraps up a lot of stuff. Right. It's kind of like one of your getting to know you episodes right. that you had in there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, got, it's got a consummation of a lot of sexual tension that, was, that I like to imagine was there. <laughs> which, which for Japanese standards, they probably thought they were operating at like a Sam and yeah. Diane level with that. You, you get the guy living. Like he basically you know, has uh, uh, a Harry Potter um, uh, okay. death because it's like an entire third act. Right. In two hours. That's kind of what 25 and 26 are like. <laughs> well, that's, that's, why, that's why it needs... That's why it needs a, another episode to flesh it out, let it breathe a little more, and a, a, a little bit more. Just a few more bits and pieces. Just a little bit. And then a little bit more fun episodes just to flesh out oh, the whole man, show a little. You and your fun. More darkness. Uh, g- give us some more... No, it doesn't need more, more darkness. Give us some more... Uh, Terrifying, horrifying episodes. Maybe a little. How many episodes horror. were legitimately horrifying? Twenty is I, pretty scary. I had a couple of pretty horrifying 
images uh, from the one with the the fat dude who doesn't like cats. Twenty, yeah. And from the guy with the one with the creepy guy who talks to people through the TV. Oh, 23, the mind, yeah. The, the mind head. That one was good, yeah. The mind screw. Brain, uh, brain scratch. There's some pretty spooky stuff in there. Yeah, there is. Almost horrorish elements, you yeah, know? So definitely. let's let's have a few more horror six is Six is one of those two in places with the kids. With the kid that can't die and that is aged. Doesn't age. Yeah, that sounds like... Uh, that was episode six, man. That sounds like another show to me. That sounds no. like uh, it kind of it kind of right. It kind of felt a little out out of place for Bebop, but you know it was still a lot of fun and good. I enjoyed it. It was one of the most sci-fi kind of episodes they ever did. Yeah, who knows? It is what it is. I mean, nothing's ever perfect, and it's got a lot of good stuff in it. I just I don't know. If I could just get one thing, I would just love to see the whole thing redone in HD, and then have the ending fleshed out a little more but yeah there's a market for it i think people would buy it yeah i think people would buy an hd re- redo of the show with if everybody involved in it did it and you know did it as, did it real faithfully like i said i mean you know you're i would change nothing of the original episodes i mean i tempted with the idea of changing parts of 21 because 21 is i think the real weak episode in the whole show what's 21 it's the one with the girl that um that that jet's uh friend it's daughter, Mefa, and with the, the the feng shui ley line stuff, and they're running around trying to find all these different rocks to do this. Not ringing a bell. Right. It's keep, keep keep going. There are two guys that look like the Blues Brothers chasing after him, and it's kind of just goofy and fun, but it ultimately doesn't do anything for any of the characters. It's like it's like there's they kind of play on this whole like Lolita thing with Jet and the girl like he's like oh, I'd be old enough to be you know he's old enough to be her dad but he kind of entertains the idea that he'd be old enough to be her boyfriend when that's not really the case and and then Spike and and Faye think like well what's going on with with those two you know and and so what don't you like about the episode but, it just doesn't. I don't know, it just doesn't feel good, and it doesn't really matter to any of the characters. Like, it, it tries to be a Jet episode, but it doesn't do anything for his character in the end, because in the end, she goes back to doing what she's doing, she gets to say goodbye to her dad, who th- she thought disappeared, and it was some kind of magical bullshit thing, and uh, and it kind of just didn't count. And for so f- being so late into the show, I think that might be the biggest problem with it, is just its placement in the show. If it had came, if it had been like fifteen, it probably wouldn't have felt so bad. But with the fact that it's in the last five or six episodes is like really this is what you're doing towards the Does end. Bother you maybe because there's no Ganymede rock lobster in it. That's a problem. But I don't know. You could you could rewrite it and maybe especially coming as late as it is in that you could rewrite it and have it be that like hinted at her being his his daughter, maybe. And then, then that would give him something to have towards the end of the show when you realize his ship is gone and his de facto family has fallen apart and there's really nothing for him. So maybe it'd be like, you know what? There is. There's a, maybe there's this person whose life you can go see and try that now. I feel like, I feel like that, that he needs that at the end of the show. He needs something at the end of the show because... It can't just be dismal death for everybody because they don't all die. Like, well, who knows what what's her name's gonna do? But Jet's sitting there and he's cleaning, cleaning the glass on the ship. That's 
broken, maybe irrevocably. I don't know. He'll get it fixed. Well, then, yeah, he got it fixed in 17 when they crashed it in the dirt. I liked that. That was a good shot. And uh, Mushroom Samba, when they show a real far, far shot of the ship slowly coming in. <laughs> the you're you're kind of like a Cowboy Bebop scholar. Like you, can, like, you can turn from, like, you know, like, chapter and verse. Like, you memorized your, cat, your catechism. <laughs> your catechism. I know a decent bit about I couldn't tell you what the sign says. I should be able to say what the sign says. It's basically like land plots because the whole thing with IO is that it's I think it's IO is that it's it's just a it's just a wasteland, just desert. What's the deal with the uh the war? The Titan War? I yeah. don't know. The Titan War is really they talk about the Titan War in And like there's a flashback up in thirteen uh, yeah, because Gren fought in it Gren. with, with uh, Vicious. Vicious. Vicious as an Spike. adult. Spike wasn't in it? No. Vicious was. And it was a trench warfare thing. And Vicious was a spy and he planted something to, so that Gren got blamed for it. And, uh, and then Vincent from the movie was involved in medical experiments that they were doing during the Titan War. And that's how he ended up being impervious to this disease. Who, who was fighting who in the Titan War? I don't, we don't even know. It was like some war of independence or something, but yeah, it didn't I, look like I they were... retract everything I said about you being a Cowboy Bebop scholar. You don't even... It's not really explained, it. dude. A real fan would, would find out. I've... Get I've, to the bottom of it. I've done a little bit, but... Hit the boards. Hit the boards. You know that one of the old guys is dead in 23, right? They show him uh, twice. The three. Yeah, one of those three, three old, old dudes guys. is dead. I think there's just two, and they talk wistfully about. Them. No, they never show them ever again after the movie. They're they're not in uh, twenty three or twenty four or twenty five or twenty six. Tiny yellow one's dead. They show his body in uh, in the one you were talking about with the t the guy in the TV. Yeah, it's like people were lured there, and then they I show his body. Well, they show it twice. They cut to him. No. They show, they cut to corpses, and they sh- and one of them is uh, no. is one of them. No. Yeah. No. Yep. You're, 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 this is another fabrication of Ian's overactive mind. No, that was on the message boards, and then when I then when I rewatched you can't it, the following what's week, on the board. I looked at it, and I'm like, they show. I'm like, no, there he is. And then <coughs> thirty seconds later, they cut to him again, and you're like, oh, just in case you missed it, which I did the first time, there he is. He's he's done for. They really they really didn't pull a lot of punches towards the end in terms of which is kind of. Like, come on, guys! This show is, is doesn't have to be quite yeah, so bleak. Yeah, people die. You're, you're going to die. Uh, I know, friendless and penniless in the streets of Los Angeles in a few weeks. <laughs> About two or three, yeah. I'm already working on the friendless penniless part, but yeah. Christ, With, uh, a knife in your back and a song in your heart. <laughs> right. Uh, not so bad if it ends after the first time, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you uh. You'll you'll think as you're you're falling to the pavement. This is not a song to have stuck in my head as I'm dying. This is not a song for death. No, it's not. And, then, and you'll start. You'll be. You'll you'll ruefully bemoan the fact that you didn't have a better death song as you I, died. Like because I should have been on that. <laughs> I wasn't on that. I failed. <coughs> so it goes. Just one more thing you couldn't have uh, done. You couldn't have done and fixed. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that. No, that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast. This was fun, guys. It was thanks, fun. We're, thanks we're for both listening. Go kill ourselves, and all of you who've listened should go kill yourself now. This is, we need closure, and closure must be death. Uh, well, it could be a figurative death. The death of the podcast, is, as you say. You know, the death of this season of the podcast, this particular series, this run. I mean, I don't know if if there is bravery or courage in the hearts of man, and they are willing to be at work. 
then perhaps there could be a 301. But this, who's to say? <laughs> this, this is what you want, right? You want, you want to matter. Uh, you want that. You want that. The creativity that is that spews from your pie hole to be appreciated. The, the podcast is by not, the Eduardos and the Olivers. The podcast for me has never been about, uh, about so much about ego and creativity as it's been about trying to represent like what I feel is occasionally like a missing viewpoint on the review of a, of a piece of work or a movie or something. I, I didn't. I started this because I like to talk about things. And it was a good excuse to get together with a friend of mine and watch a movie and, and talk about stuff. And I think that's why we all do it. And because I was, like, listening to podcasts and I was hearing, you know, certain types of groups of people doing that were doing them, arriving at certain conclusions about things and, and being like, well, they, they missed this point or they didn't really talk about that or uh, why someone should say that or someone, you know. And yeah, You did bring a different – you brought a uh, – uh decidedly militant right-wing viewpoint. Possibly, as I do to everything. Uh, you, you brought, you know, you really kind of brought the uh, the Bible Belt conservative Christian viewpoint. Right, things. right. That's as, 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 as I want to do with my... Uh, with my baptizing and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that even means. No, right now. You, you, you already got it wrong. With my blasphemy. With your blasphemy. Uh, proselytizing. Proselytizing, yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, no, and I think that you, you made every, I mean, oh, I know, I know, not just recording, but then when I re-listened to some of them, you made my day just that much darker every time. So you, you did, de- you definitely have had an effect, uh, you know, at, at, you know, now that this is the end. Right. Yes. And, uh, and we can be honest. Have ended, right. Yes. The, and, the, you know, the sun is coming all out. All things must end. Right. The sun no, is the sun out. is setting and, and the, the, the earth has become cold Dark, barren habitable right is is what you're talking about here well, I, th- oh. I feel a sudden chill and and that you know like this is uh you know if uh, unless i can get my eyes uh polished i'm not gonna be able to see uh, enough for the to avoid the creatures coming at me in the dark this is the end this is the end of life <laughs> was that a riddick reference at the end yes at the end you're gonna reference riddick Okay. Well, because you know that's it's hope for the future. There, it's not too far fetched to believe that they would do a Redux on Bebop. because remakes are there's in, a difference man. between there's a difference between popularity of Bebop and anime and Riddick. Okay, I understand. Riddick is a is a is a flaming ball that's uh, shot from the sun and will not be extinguished. Well, how Bebop is, is like you know, right, right, right. A fat guy holding a lighter. Right, we talked. That's, it that's, is. That's it's the pretty flame. much that. That's, that's what we talked about for the last hour. It's fat guy holding lighter. Oh my god. Okay. Well, guys. Well, this is the end. Oh, honey, this is the end. <laughs> you said it better than I ever could, man.
thought we were over with this. Are we still talking? Yeah, we're still talking, but we're over. 